right, guys, so we're continuing in the book of Romans. We are in chapter 9, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 13. And it says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So the next few chapters that we're going to be in in the book of Romans is all about Israel's rejection of Messiah. So you're going to be hearing this theme the next couple um, sermons. So it's all about Israel's rejection of Messiah. Um, What does this mean? So I'm going to read you something that Matthew Poole wrote. Matthew Poole is a commentator, and he said, Much is written pro and con upon this argument, but I remember he that writes a commentary must not be too far involved himself in controversy. So I'm going to explain this to the best of my ability and knowledge of the word of God. I am not a Calvinist because I believe Calvin was a heretical teacher. There are things about Calvin that a lot of people do not know because they don't want to study it out, but Calvin beat his wife. And because he did that, he couldn't control himself. He had the mindset of that it was in him to beat his wife. He could not change. He had to do that. But I also believe in the sovereignty of God to do as God wills. I don't believe it's either or. I believe it's both. God can and does control world events and circumstances. And he can move men's hearts. And it rains on the just and on the unjust. But he also allows free will choices. And he has bound himself to those choices that man makes. So Paul is telling us that there were certain privileges given to Israel. None greater than Messiah. Messiah was coming from the line of Israel. God incarnated his son in the flesh of that nation. And he chose that nation to show forth his glory. So when you go in Israel, they were chosen to be God's people. And that he would show forth his glory in them. Paul here, he dismisses the idea that Israel was responding badly to Jesus. Because there was something wrong with the word of God. It says, the gospel was not the problem. (laughs) The gospel's not the problem why they responded bad. The gospel exposed a deep problem within the Jews. And the problem with the physical descendants of Abraham was that they did not have in their hearts the same faith of Abraham. They were merely genetically related to him. So Paul distinguishes between two groups, those who have the faith of Abraham and those who do not. To prove his point, he returns to the biblical record of Abraham's children and grandchildren. And something unexpectedly happened throughout the line. The promised blessings, which should have been given to the oldest son, 
each time were given to a younger son because that child had faith and the elder did not. And each time God knew who would have faith and who would not have faith before that child was born. In a Hebrew family, the eldest son is expected to receive the blessing. But never once did this actually happen among the forefathers of Israel. We see Abraham's eldest son was Ishmael, but the promise went to Isaac. Isaac's eldest son was Esau, but the promise went to Jacob. Reuben was Jacob's eldest son, yet the promise went to Judah, who happened to be the fourth in line. So God is not bound by the cultural rules of society. He reserves the right to give his promised blessing to whomever he wishes. And to whom does he give them? He reveals his answer, to men and women of faith. Not the physical descendants of people with faith, nor to those who try to earn righteousness by performing religious service. As with Jacob, he foreknew who would have faith, and he superintends over their lives even before they have been conceived. In verses 10 through 13, these are terribly misunderstood where we say, we, we, we have heard that, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And some erroneously believe that it means that God hates certain babies. And that's what Calvin teaches, sovereign election, which teaches that God decides to whom he will give faith. And taken out of context, Paul's words can be misinterpreted to mean just that. But in the light that he repeatedly emphasizes faith as the basis for salvation, the point he is drawing from the example of Jacob and Esau is that Jacob wasn't loved because he led a better life than Esau, but because he had a faith Esau did not have. While in the womb, neither child had done any works, yet God already loved Jacob because he foreknew he would have faith, and he foreknew Esau would not. So God doesn't pick a person based on the bad or good they might do. That would make righteousness a reward for works. The concept of sovereign election takes it a step too far by adamantly opposing the idea that an unsaved person has any capacity to repent and believe. And this is an errant teaching that does not hear these verses as saying God knew Isaac and Jacob would repent and believe, but that God decided before they were born which would repent and believe and which would not. And this violates the clear teachings of Scripture. But keep in mind Paul's overall topic here. He's not using Jacob and Esau as an illustration of how individuals are saved, but rather as an analogy representing the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are in the position of Esau, and the Gentiles are in the position of Jacob. Abraham's promise had gone to the younger, and so it's turning out with the gospel. The Gentiles have no claim to Messiah, yet they were receiving Abraham's promise instead of Israel. In the same manner as Jacob seized a promise that didn't belong to him because he had faith and his older brother lacked it, so these believing Gentiles were seizing the gospel that was intended, first of all, for Israel. And it was interesting, you know, Pastor Matt preached on that on Sunday. Christ came for Israel. He came to redeem Israel. He came for them. And because Israel rejected him, then the Lord was like, fine, I'm going to go to somebody else that will receive me. But first and foremost, he came for Israel. We can't leave that out of the gospel. That, that's first and foremost. We were not in the picture. Yeah. 
based on our previous lifestyle, Gentiles deserve nothing but God's wrath. Nothing but God's wrath. Yet, here we are inheriting the blessing meant for the older brother. The rejection of the Jews by the gospel dispensation did not break God's promises to the patriarchs. The promises and warnings shall be fulfilled. Grace does not run in the blood, nor are saving benefits always found with those outward privileges. Some of Abraham's seed were chosen and others not, according to the counsel of God's own will. God foresaw both Esau and Jacob as born in sin by nature, children of wrath, even as others. And if left to themselves, they would have continued in sin through life. But for wise and holy reasons not made known to us, he purposed to show Jacob grace and to leave Esau to his perverseness. Just like he decided to show grace to those in Christ and leave others in their perverseness. The instance of Esau and Jacob throws light upon God's conduct to the fallen race of man. So the whole scripture shows the difference between the real Israel, the spiritual children of Abraham, and the children of God, and those who are Israel in name only, children of the flesh. So we have Esau making his claim because he has the name Israel. We have his brother making the claim through faith. So what does this mean to us? It means we can be the children of the flesh of Esau, a Christian in name only, or we can be the true children of God of Isaac. That's what it means to us. So we're going to talk about Esau and Isaac, children of the flesh and children of God. So the children of the flesh, those of Esau's line, think they are saved because of their bloodline. What does this mean? It means I know many people raised in Christian homes that believe they are a Christian because they were raised in a Christian home. They believe they're Christian because they were born in America. They believe they're a Christian because their granddaddy was a pastor. But they have merely assented to a system of beliefs. They believe in Jesus, but they have a dead faith. It's a belief in name only. And they call themselves light by that name. Like Esau. Esau was an Israelite and he called himself as such, but he had no faith in God. Thus, those alike Esau believe they deserve the blessing of their father. How many people do you know think they deserve to go to heaven because they live a good life? That's majority of Americans. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a Christian. I was, I was, I was raised in a Christian home. They believe they do God's service and good works. So they're saved. These are in name only. Like Esau. I was talking uh, to Eva this last week. She must be downstairs. I didn't see her in here. Are they? Okay, anyways. Um, I've been reading through uh, the Old Testaments, and in prayer I've been asking the Lord to show me what modern-day idolatry looks like. Because it doesn't look the same as Old Testament idolatry. 
Maybe for some people it does, but for most of us it doesn't. And the Lord had shown me several places um, that I became aware of throughout the years. One of them was the idol of comfort. We prefer comfort above the Lord. Celebrities are idols inside and outside the church. Worship is an idol. Our children become idols. Humanity, humanism is an idol. Longevity, longevity, living a long life, that becomes an idol. But there's one thing the Spirit showed me, and He began to show me that I didn't expect, was that service to God. Because this is what the Lord showed me. He says, not does it only feel good to serve, we get accolades and respect from others, even those in the world. So thus, we idolize service and works for God. We place them above the Lord, and we idolize those that do such things. Look at the way people respond to service work. Look at the way that people respond when you do something. Oh, look at you. Look at you, serving the Lord. Well, how do you know they're serving the Lord? How do you know? How do you know that? Israel thought the same thing. They thought because they religiously served God, they did good works there in right standing with him. I talked about this yesterday in Bible study in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what true love is. In verse 3, it says, though I give all my goods to feed the poor and have not love, I am nothing. So Paul is saying to us that you can give everything, serve the poor, feed the poor, do everything, and it still not be true love. Depends on what you're doing it for. Why you're doing it. You could, be, you could just be Esau. And Jesus tells us, in Matthew 7, 22 and 23, says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? We've done many wonders. This is mighty works. We've done a lot of work in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why? Because, you know, and, and those, those are the things we idolize, folks. And like Esau, we think... Well, I'm a Christian in name only. It doesn't matter that my heart's not lining up with my actions. It doesn't matter that I don't truly love the Lord or truly love the things of God. Why? Because, because the, the children of Esau will not repent. They don't repent. Why should they? Like Israel, they were born into salvation. They're Christian in name only. They don't see a need for repentance. Because they can't see their sin. They've done nothing wrong. They say, what have I done? Pastor Matt preached this one time, and, I, and, and I'll never forget this. And it was Saul that said that, who took upon himself the ministry of... Um, he took upon the ministry of the priest, right? When he's handling the sacred things of God, and he was given an offering to the Lord, and that was not his job to do. And he thought that he could do that because he was king and Samuel wasn't present, that he could offer a sacrifice to God. And Samuel's like, what, are you, what have you done? And he's like, what do you mean, what have I done? What, what are you talking about? I'm king. I can do whatever I want to. He had no respect for that. I actually had a friend that told me he was not a sinner like I was because he never did the things that I did. 
this is not this is not hyperbole. This is a true story. <clears throat> and he knew my past. I've I've always been very uh, open with my past. I am ashamed of my past, but I don't live in the shame of my past. <clears throat> but he had never did, did drugs. He never had sex. He never drank alcohol. He never even he never drank alcohol, let alone get drunk. He didn't watch pornography. He he had never he never this. His parents were missionaries in Africa, so he grew up in Africa in in an African church and and helping his parents in the ministry and stuff. But apparently, he didn't see his pride. Proverbs 8:13 says, "The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate." The Lord said that. See, like Esau, the children of flesh believe he deserves the blessing by his birthright, even though he really despises it. And we 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 see in Genesis uh, the story of Esau. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some red stew for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as at this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and a stew of lentils. And he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright, skip ahead. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Notice the difference there in that next chapter where Jacob gets the blessing and Esau misses out on it. Now he's like, oh, he took my birthright. No, you, you despised it. You gave it up for some stew. And the writer of Hebrews records Esau as a spiritual fornicator and profane person who despised something that was considered holy, good, right, and true. It says, Hebrews 12, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Oh, you can fall short of God's grace? Yeah. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like who? Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So Esau, here, they call him a profane man. For some food, he threw away the highest honor a son could have. The word profane here refers to one who by word or conduct treats holy things with contempt and has no reverence for what is sacred. That's what the word profane means. This may be shown by your manner, by a sneer, by a neglect of religious and sacred activities, or by openly renouncing the honors which might be connected with our salvation. And it's implied here that Esau sustained the character of a fornicator and a profane person. The birthright in his circumstances was a high honor. It was sacred. The promise respecting the inheritance of the land of Canaan, the coming Messiah, the preservation of the truth, had all been given to Abraham and to Isaac and was to be transmitted 
to him as the oldest son. All of that honor was to be transmitted to him, which is now associated with Jacob, and he undervalued it. He lived a licentious life, and he followed his corrupt and carnal desires. In a time of temporary distress, he showed how little he really valued what was holy. And he bartered it away for a single mill of stew. Rather than go hungry for a short period, and in a manner implying a great undervaluing of the honor which he held as the firstborn son in a holy line of men, he agreed to surrender all the privileges connected with his birth. And like Esau, children of the flesh don't regard the holy things of God, but are themselves profane. That's what the word profane means. You don't hold in honor the holy things of God. This is a New Testament concept. It's not just Old Testament. There's Old Testament that that talks about the priest of of being able to distinguish between the holy and the profane. And Esau here, he says, he was a profane man. He He could not tell what was holy and profane. See, I don't associate with people who don't have a high regard for the holy things of the Lord. I don't have, for, for uh, his ministers, when people mock the ministers that preach against sin and mock those who teach holiness, that's profane. When people despise God's laws and God's authority, it's profane. When you treat his church as a common thing, It's profane. When you don't hold in high regard the purpose and place of God's holy church. And the profane have a low regard for scripture. And they scoff at those who hold fast to the world. Word. I don't associate people that have a low regard for scripture. As a profane person, children of the flesh refuse to separate from the world and their carnal flesh. They would rather indulge in the lust of the flesh than crucify their temporary hunger pains. The very opposite of Esau was said of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Esau chose hunger over the holy. And Moses chose suffering over the profane. Because the children of the flesh are like their father Esau. They'll never truly repent. It says, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he's talking about Esau again, he was rejected. Esau was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. That means that he expressed a sorrow for missing out on something. But he was never truly sorrowful for his sin. Oh, he was sorry, all right. He missed out. He missed out on the blessing. He, 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 yeah, of course he was sorry. He, he was crying. 
crocodile tears. He was not sorry though. He wasn't sorrowful for a sin. But the child of God says, what have I done? Not what have I done? But what have I done? What have I done? Genesis 32, it says, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over the Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. Jacob's heart was, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. What have I done? And as Jacob, the truly repentant, seek that restoration. And Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. It is much as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me because I have enough So he urged him and he took it because repentance has no demands, but it seeks to fully restore. And Luke, there's a story of Zacchaeus and I like this story. It says Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. He was repentant and he said, I'm, I'll, rest, I'll restore whatever I stole four times as much. Yeah. That's a restoration. Yeah. Matt and I talk about this all the time. Repentance has no demands. Yeah. It doesn't require anything in return. Yeah. It doesn't even seek to have its place back, yeah. let alone a place of honor. Because I see it all the time. People say, well, I'm sorry. Can I have my place back, that place of honor you had me at? Oh. That's not repentance. That's not repentance at all. Because it's not, I am sorry, but. Or, I am sorry, now now you say you're sorry. It's, I'm sorry, period. One of my favorite um, Christmas movies is Scrooge, right? It's the... um, Christmas Carol, and I like the one with Jim Carrey because it's uh, it very closely follows the um, Christmas the story of Charles Dickens. It very closely follows that, and I love the end. And um, he goes, he, he, you know, if you remember the story, his ne- his nephew had come to him and and invited him to um, Christmas. Uh, uh, dinner, and he said, "No, I'm not doing that. I don't celebrate Christmas." And then he had all of his, you know, dreams and, and the visitation from all these things. And he 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 wakes up and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I have time. There's time. There's still time. I can I can I can I don't have to go out like this. There's time, right?" He has this complete turnaround of who he is, and he wants to do this. And he goes to his nephew's house, and that makes me cry. Yeah. And he knocks on the door, and he says. And his, his, his nephew opens the door and he's like, uncle, come in and eat with us. And, and he says, if you'll have me. He just says, if you'll, if you'll have me. He knew that his life was wrong and he had done wrong and he'd hurt so many people and he'd hurt his nephew so bad. And he wasn't, he didn't come watching in and say, I get the place of honor. Put me at the head table. I bought the big turkey. 
He said, if you'll have me. That's a heart of repentance. The child of God receives the blessing by faith. Because the true believer knows they don't deserve anything. They know that. I just read, we were under the wrath of God. Gentiles were under the wrath of God. We, we didn't deserve salvation. But because of Israel's neglect, God was like, well, I'm going to go to people that want me then. And it opened up to us. But we were children of wrath. We just, all of us deserved wrath. There was none that did good. No, not one. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what you've done or what you've not done. God said, there's none good. There's none that seek me. We all were under his wrath. And if it wasn't for the blood of Christ and the grace of God, we were all getting hell. See, I, I, I don't think some of y'all truly know that or truly believe that. You think, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You, do you not realize what you've been saved from? Do you not realize what you're, you're, you, you were under the judgment of God? That's what Paul preached. With that men were under God's judgment, but Christ came to redeem. Abraham believed God. We understand that we have done nothing good to deserve heaven. We know we deserve hell. We deserve the wrath of God, but humbly... We accept eternal inheritance and blessing by faith in the Son of God. The child of God knows he has no right to be a child of God, but receives sonship by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. We receive sonship by faith. It doesn't matter if I don't feel like a child of God. By faith, I am a child of God. We receive forgiveness by faith. I don't have to feel forgiven. I know that I'm forgiven. I take it by faith. I receive it by faith. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am restored by faith. I'm delivered by faith. You don't have to feel like it. It's by faith. I believe God. I believe what he did on the cross. I believe he's my healer. He's my redeemer. He's my restorer. He's my deliverer. And I take it by faith. Not because I've done anything. And definitely not because I deserve it. See, maybe y'all don't understand it. I know I didn't deserve it. I, I know who I was. You may not know who you were. Why don't you take a look in your mirror and ask God to show you the ugliness that you were? Yes. And oh, thank you, Lord. Yes. By faith. And then we obey because we're so grateful to be called his children. And how can we not love and return for the great cost of sonship that he gave us? See, the purpose of God's children is not to do good works. It's not to evangelize. And we, we do these things because we love him, but our purpose is to live a life that glorifies the Lord. Yes. 
That's what Israel's purpose was. That's our purpose in Christ. That we would show forth the glory of the Lord in everything we do. In everything you do, give glory to God. If you are doing anything that brings glory to you or anyone else, you're doing it wrong. Because then it's about you and you're your own savior. But as his children, we live to bring him praise and glory and honor. We are to live a life of light and righteousness to a dark world. A life that displays we are God's very own. That we've been changed, born again, renewed and redeemed. And we look differently than the world. First Peter tells us, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's the opposite of profane. His own special people. I like King James because it says peculiar. I am peculiar. I know I'm peculiar. It's okay. I'm okay. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. That's, he called you out of darkness. You were in darkness. You were in sin. You were in pit. You could not see straight. And he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy to the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. Angie, will you come play?
never forget as a child of God who you are and whose you are. And it will change how you walk. It will change how you live. It will change how you see things. Now, if none of this fits you, then you're still a child of the flesh. You're not really Israel. I don't care what, I don't care who your parents are. I don't care that you live in America. I don't care that you even said a prayer at one time. If you're still living in darkness and still living in your sin, you've not been born again. You've not been regenerated. If that's you, I just want you to lift your voice up to him and say, Lord, forgive me. True repentance will bring the grace of God down upon you so strong. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He's in the process of drawing all men. The Holy Spirit's been working on you and been working in your heart. Don't let this time go. Don't let this time pass. Without the blood of Christ, you are subject to the wrath of God. Thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.